0: A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions, and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, where you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Great to have on the show Coach Mark Hart, assistant basketball coach. Welcome. How's it going, Tony? Going well. Great to have Coach Hart on. Does a great job sharing online with coaches, and I'm thrilled to have him on today. Coach, can you give us like a, a minute or two bio of who you are and where you've been and what you're doing now? I'm in California
1: and in the Riverside area near the Ontario International Airport, if anybody's flown into California. i uh, been a high school coach for 28 years, 25 Previously on the boys' side, 20 of those years was a head varsity coach. And now the last three years switched to the girls' side, which I'm thoroughly enjoying, two as an assistant, and now just took over a program in Ontario uh, Colony High School. I'm the head girls' coach. And then you mentioned about system basketball. That kind of got started during COVID, where a group of his coaches were getting on, nothing to do, had some Zoom calls, started off with talking about the Grinnell system, LMU system, and then coaches started saying, hey, I'll do a clinic, I'll do a topic. And then it became a thing, and people started going, can you branch out to these topics and these topics? And then I was like, I, I'm I'm pretty well-versed well on the dribble drive, so started doing things on the dribble drive, started getting other coaches like yourself on and, and others on, and it's just become now my 9-to-5 job. So I, I do this, help coaches around the world by – having clinics, making my own content, and and trying to share and help coaches. I you know, we talked off air where everybody doesn't know everything. So trying to help coaches understand the basics, but also advance advanced topics to grow their knowledge as coaches.
0: Yeah, Coach does a great job, like I said, and we'll, we'll make sure that he shares all the socials and website and stuff like that at the end. Mentioned also the dribble drive, and so offense, and particularly dribble drive motion, what we're going to be talking about today. I'll start from the beginning, Coach. What, what attracted you to dribble drive motion?
1: Well, I was struggling early on in my career at, at Ballin Park um, where, like a lot of us, I grew up and you, and you taught what you knew. So I played in the flex offensive system and for a very successful coach and was JV coach there and went to the last place team in the league of the same league and struggled for years, trying to run the flex And, and it came out as a, as an accident, we were playing them in a summer league game and we were down six with two and a half minutes to go. And I said, we're going to press make or miss drive and kick score quickly. And that was like kind of the Genesis of it. And then I started delving into learning what it really was under Vance. And the thing that stuck with me was if you're down six with two minutes to go, and you're going to try to get drive and kick or press, make or miss, because that's what what I'm kind of known for as well. Is then why don't you do it for the whole 32 minutes? Why wait and only do it when you're behind? Uh, why not have that attack mentality? And what I really wanted to find was something that developed players and taught them how to play basketball and not just be robots. Because as flex became, we struggled with the switching. We've struggled Mm -hmm. with this. And basically they made the players become players. Major players put the ball on the floor. Here in California, since 1989, we've had a shot clock. So we're not able to just turn over like a lot of teams do and can run that flex for three minutes and just make people tired and be able to get those cuts and layups. So we had to come up with some more stuff and it fit the kids. Um, It was a a tough, tough neighborhood. I wanna call it street ball, but it gave them organization because I don't really consider dribble drive an offense, to be honest with you. It's more of a framework and a spacing template. And the biggest thing I call it is an organized penetration system is what it really is. So when your kids put the ball on the floor, they know where each player on their team is supposed to be located. So it gives them bailouts or pass outs. And I'm sure we'll get into some other topics off of that here in a bit. But that's how it genesis for me back in 2008. And I've been running it pretty much exclusively with some other things that can flow
0: into it. In regards to teaching it, because we're at the start of the season, I've even wondered this from year to year. We're not true dribble drive, but I mean, most (laughs) of the principles we're using are the same, but I've always wondered where's the best place to start teaching dribble drive. Do you feel like there's a, maybe a starting spot or Hmm. is it kind of like, these are the things that we're shooting for here at the start?
1: this is my fifth, this will be my fifth time installing it. So it's, it's changed. I probably people are very similar to this. Probably at the beginning, I started with what's referred to as the drop zone, the pickup area around the free throw line out. And I think that's the big mistake is because I cringe when I get the questions from coaches is how do you keep the continuity? And it's not a continuity offense. I get what they mean where you get the penetration and the flow and the moving, but think i learned this from chris oliver but the best play in basketball is just driving to make a layup something to stock is you don't get points for so i the way i would like to teach the way i teach it now is from the basket out the number one thing that i learned about the dribble drive is the attack mentality so you got to develop that first so we we work on the penetration reads from the slot like a straight line drive right to the basket a middle drive from the slots and then wing penetration middle on both sides and wing penetration baseline we we install the those getting all the way to the rim and if they don't have a shot reverse pivots and the passes out off of those and where every player should line. so i i teach it from the basket out i know a lot of people probably teach it from the elbow in and i believe now you get what you emphasize so if you want to get to the rim i don't even get to a kick up until like day four or five because mm-hmm. you've done this. Kids are just gonna naturally gravitate to the ball. They, they want it, especially younger kids. It's like like a soccer that they're just gonna go eh. well, the old AYSO soccer where there's no spacing. So you don't even have to teach the kick up to be honest. Mm-hmm. So like day one, it's like just penetration reads in the rack zone out of full court transition. And then we'll teach a slot to slot pass. A through cut, a nail cut, a blur, and then basically teach them where every player rotates. So, a good thing that we'll do is we'll have the four perimeter spots. Point guard will drive. Maybe they'll make the layup first time around. And then I rotate the players, the four perimeter players, so that everybody gets those spots. And then the bit, if it's if the bigs are just pigeonholed to the bigs, the bigs just stay in there. But if you have players playing multiple, you just, do about a five minute rotation of just having them play the different spots.
0: You're pretty early, multiple people out on the floor. It's not, it's, it's skills developed as the system is being developed.
1: Yes. I'm, I'm trying to get now, especially since coaching girls is Mm -hmm. trying to get the five on five as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this offense a little bit, it, it, it looks silly five on zero (laughs) trying to teach the reads because it's, it's, it's a read decision making offense. It's, it's not a continuity, it's, mm-hmm. it's if the defense slides over and helps you have this options, you have these reads. So we're trying to get to two on two situations, three on threes, putting them in those attack situations, the small sided games, if you will, that you do a great job of, by the way, um, with your content on, on that I've stolen quite a few of them. I, I do believe you need to teach them the spacing component and this is where we wanna get to, and then the diagonal read, the crack back behind, staying low in the corner on ball side, lifting on the weak side, going behind from the slot there, getting your post players some nuances here of when the ball's in the slot, your belly button's pointed at the slot at the player with the ball. When they break the free throw line, now they're starting to get their shoulders more square to the backboard. So if they get the pass, now they can just catch it Mm -hmm. and lay it in. Just kind of giving them the details and helping them at the beginning stages and then day one we're probably into some blood drills blood 22 blood 33 or even some uh small sided games with a three on with the slot with two slots and a post and we're playing maybe put the ball on the players back and we're playing and that's basically it on day one um and then day two we're probably coming back and looking at more of the i don't even like this area of the floor that that drag zone that middle That middle spot where kids are picking the ball up nowadays, it just causes that confusion. And that's where I'm saying we're we're working from our way out, eventually getting to to the elbow. And when we get to the elbow, we are teaching drops first, back doors, burns, whatever your terminology might be, because there's three ways they can guard the corner. And two of those tell you probably to cut back door. What's your, what's your, what's your opinion on that is probably 80, probably 90% of the time people lift from that corner. Yeah. Maybe 10% probably isn't even that high that they're cutting back door. So if I was teaching it to lower level kids, we almost don't even teach the kickup, even regardless of the defense, because the kid's going to do it. They're going to do it anyways.
0: A quick timeout podcast is presented by Dr. Dish basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Duke Blue Devils, and countless others in an upgrade to Dr. Dish basketball. And now, save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Time Out Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own they're essential, but altogether they're undeniable introducing huddle instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse huddle instat's advantage tagging and next level stat reports help you develop your team and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout do you feel like there's a beginner's version of this and then a more advanced version for upper levels
1: like beginners versions i mean and here's the here's the thing with the beginner's version is with junior high you're probably teaching a through cut a a loop cut i don't think you're getting into some of the more advanced topics like a fan cut that's new these days from doug Novak stuff that i use i blend with you mentioned dribble drive i don't know if anybody pure runs dribble drive anymore i think everybody hybrids it but to answer your question is you just dummy it down a little bit you probably maybe you go with no kickups you just go with straight back doors i've started to use layer it if you will kind of like read and react this stuff so Mm -hmm. with my lower levels we have like a through cut a nail cut maybe add the ball screen uh, a dho on the wing but we're probably not getting into elaborate things we're just trying to get to a double triple gap and play basically freshman level jv level attack mindset create gaps and then keep the spacing within those gaps is what would be a successful freshman season from a coach in
0: in, in my eyes I found the exact same thing at the college level. There are things that I will even from year to year, depending on our personnel, keep out. And I've always just wondered, we've had several new people into our program. And when I start talking about these things or even the offense as an entire system, I know what I felt when I first heard about this. Like, okay, but like, how does this work? Because there isn't a pattern. There's not a continuity to it. It's not flex. It really is just playing. But I think when you say that, then that almost seems like, well, I can do whatever I want to do. There's actions that are being strung together that are predicated typically off of how the defense plays, where they're standing, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like it builds in their minds? Do you give them a sheet? Like, these are all the actions that we do? Or are you just explaining those things? Or how do they move from even these individual actions to now this offensive system
1: it's a great question never really thought about it that way i label things so over the last three years i teach them as actions or or sets if you will and because Mm -hmm. the iq may not be there yet so like a loop out of the corner i might have to say loop two Mm -hmm. in practice or loop loop two or pitch pitch to loop two I, i like to I learned this stuff from, uh, Greg Campy when I was studying dribble drive, where he uses the one word. And I was so Walberg up until a few years ago, I used the word, kick up, kick back, kick this, kick that. And it just kind of, it which kind of everything confused kids. Yeah. If you will. They're like, which, which kick is that coach? Like, um, so we, we started using the words like pitch lift. I still use drop. Might get to that world where I think you make, I think you use it and others use it burn. Um, I haven't got there yet. I still, that's one of the ones that I still use with his language is a drop, rack two, rack three. We kind of like as a coach, because it looks silly when you're doing it five on zero or three on zero, you have to kind of label things like the lift out of the opposite. I call it a window when we drag behind the slot penetration. I, I've called it a six my players will yell six like military. So it's a clock. Mm -hmm. So I've always advised people come up with your own terminology, because if you're like sound bites with your players, Hey, they are helping the helper. So our window options are open. That would be for Wilbur curious. That'd be drag threes, drag twos. I tried to make it my own and, and try to make it why I use the word window because they're trying to find an area so that they could see through so that, offense can find them so stuff like that and then forgot who i got this the the name six from but made sense you're driving get get behind them and they're six other people will call it tail lights most originals will call it dragging behind the penetrator the euro cut terminology and and teaching it in in those so i haven't really given them a fast draw like diagrams of it or anything like that but probably something i should do but now with all the content that I've been doing is I do in our team app, I will show them Mm -hmm. video clips Mm -hmm. of this is what it looks like when they're helping on our drive and you should be looking for the window pass. Mm -hmm. So now that I've been doing all this stuff, it's helped me just show them with video kids love, love video, um, seeing it as well. And then we go out and do it on the court. So we'll, we'll spend some time in the video room.
0: Um, looking at actions and seeing how they kind of layer to each other. There may be somebody out there who's doing it better than us. So I'm not saying that we're doing it the right way, but I, I'll just echo. It's the same thing. The terminology has really been important for us because nothing happens the same way twice a lot of times, but if I can pick out the individual parts and communicate an idea to them with just one word, they seem to pick up the concept better and then we Mm -hmm. can string concepts together. Ah, uh, you've alluded to these a little bit, but do you feel like there are any common pitfalls that you'd warn coaches about when teaching this?
1: Relying on your point guard, people have asked me, "What do you need to run this?" I honestly feel, at least at the minimum, at the high school level, you need two like penetrator creator type kids, and preferably two shooters. Hopefully, they're not all the same people, because mm-hmm. um, then it makes it a little bit different. But it it can be ran. But pitfalls is is overcoaching. It's not for you if you're a I gotta control the action every time on the floor. I've been blessed enough to be able to teach what is a good shot and what is a bad shot. And through the stuff that we do, shooting drills and stuff, the players know who our better shooters are. So shot selection, I mean, it is a turnoff and the pitfalls is is it creates shots quickly. But Tony Miller's probably a better shooter than Mark Hart. So if Mark Hart's taking more shots than Tony Miller, your offense probably is not going Mm -hmm. to be, I don't care what you run, probably going to be not as successful. Um, So it it, get what you emphasize. I'm pitfalls of it. And people don't is, and I've laxed on this over the years a little bit now is used to be hardcore, everything in the paint layups or threes, key or three mentality. But with the sagging and the pack lines and the stuff you, you, you do need to shoot a little bit of mid range that here or there. So uh, pitfalls are just relying on the top slot players, I would say, and just trying to create just a single or double triple gap to begin offense with. I mean, I know that we mentioned that earlier. That's what you would start with in building those habits, but you got to find a way to get some different movements, like a swing swing attack. First of all, um and get the ball moving and that's why people are hybriding it with like chin and point and i've even done it with hypo spread and euro ball screen people are adding entries to it so just relying on just creating a triple gap defenses are catching up they know what this is in 2008 i could go drive middle hit the player going behind a pitch and go straight downhill and get layups like it was nobody's business because they'd never seen a player go behind a penetrator. It was always (laughs) Mm push-pull. So pitfalls are just relying solely on creating a gap and probably only having a mindset of key or three fully. Mm -hmm. Now, do I have caveats to that? Usually it's only my best two or three players shooting Mm -hmm. those shots um, because they worked and they've shown that they can do it because it frees them up. I mean, you're a smart guy. If, if you knew that there was, that was their philosophy, you'd probably be doing something defensively to encourage them to, to have to shoot mid-range shots.
0: I'm glad you brought up the shot selection. I, I think that this kind of offense generates for you a lot of good shots or slightly above average shots, and your team can quickly be content to shoot slightly above average shots and you're going to lose games when you shoot slightly above average shots or good shots. We're going right now with, through with, with our team about shot selection. We talk about it in regards to like three, five, sevens, and nines, and it creates so many fives, but you're going to lose games shooting fives. How, how do you teach the shot selection, and how do you reinforce those or even like what we're looking for within this offense?
1: Well, today we start practice, so I'm going to put – we don't have it. We don't have the NBA smile. So I'm going to put that on there and say, hey, this is the happiest place on earth. This is where we want to get <laughs> um, gold medal shots, layups. You use numbers. I just call them gold medal, silver medal, and bronze medal shots. Bronze medals are like 5 feet to 19 feet, and silver medal are open open threes, and gold medal are to the rim. But that being said, a big, big component in this offense is finishing. And if you want to finish well, you need to take – good shots in the paint and I see I call them vomit shots see so many teams running dribble drive and they they gets the paint gets the paint gets the paint great but then they have four arms on them and they're just vomiting it at the at the rim where stride stops all the new stuff now that we'll probably get into with the protection plans Nash moves Barkley moves keeping your dribble uh Back, back pivot, stride stops, and making moves and, and making good shot quality at the rim. We finished last year on girls basketball. We were 48% on two-point makes. And be willing to ask coaches at the high school level, if they were to go look at their shots in the paint or even their two-point percentage on their team, it's probably below 40% because of the quality of the layup and the action that they're getting. So it is a huge decision-making offense, and, and that solely is, majority of it is in that paint in that paint area where turnovers happen like crazy in that area and just bad, bad shots, bad shot selection in the paint.
0: How do you go about limiting or lowering turnovers and poor decisions once you get down into the paint?
1: I think a lot of it happens before they even get there. If, if you were to go t- to practice and watch l- – i hate them just basic layup lines but if you were to do that and you watched your kids go the first time through everybody's head goes down as soon as they put the ball on the floor so the charges the not seeing the help the helpers are because they're not getting vision prior to picking up the ball they have no clue that the stuff is open due to that um just stand underneath the basket you'd be amazed i would say 80 percent of your players first dribble head goes to the floor but we try to put them into small sided games continuously and and go over situations like, hey, this is a help with the helper team. So when we drive, we're gonna have to look for windows tonight. They they take away that that pass or ARA strong side help team. So we we try to keep it simple, like pass to where the help come from. But as coaches, we find that simple, but players players don't so the more you can put them into game like reps the better that's why the five on zero stuff with dribble drive needs to go Mm -hmm. as fast as you can because two places that the kids will throw the ball to when they drive from the straight slot they're going to throw ball side corner or post Mm -hmm. they're not going to throw behind them and they're not going to throw diagonal window because they don't see it and that's the communication of the players on the floor so we try to really hone on talk on the offensive side of the floor so if you came to one of mine you'd be hearing players yell six and window at the appropriate times as soon as their player goes to help they're yelling that so that, they're, so that the offensive player knows if they don't have the good opportunity they know that they're open so the it's not just on the ball handler it's mm-hmm. the other two two offensive players because in the system pretty much you have if you're breaking the paint or you're breaking the three point line, you have the penetrator and you have two players moving. The third would be the post if they if it's a middle drive and they're relocating. But one player is pretty much stationary, the ball side, the ball side corner, and it's the backs it's the backside corner and the opposite slot that are that are moving.
0: I like you having it's on the guy off the ball to recognize that his defender is giving help and him communicating that to players. That's something that we haven't done. And the post,
1: if if the post
0: steps up, the post is to throw their hands straight up in the air.
1: Hmm. Now, if you coach boys, you're probably, I would teach lobs. Girls wear more balance pass or even dribbling and throwing it around their, like underneath their armpit.
0: I've seen you also mention uh, something that may seem small, but. I found has a dramatic impact on what we just talked about and that's just simply players keeping their dribble alive can you talk about that I shot a post I think last night of Arkansas women um,
1: mm-hmm. running it um, on the tw- on my Twitter account and it's different in high school like in, in that clip those girls are locked on all four yeah. defensive players I think in high school people overhelp. so my vision of this is, and to teach the players is, we go through arms, but we can't go through tree trunks. So if they see chest, they need to stop. So what we're trying to do is, is since I don't have the smile, we have the volleyball line in the paint. So I'm starting to use that as a reference is if you can't get your foot inside that volleyball line as you're driving, you need to try to Nash it or, or get into a Barkley move and keep your dribble. If you're in a one-on-one situation, If you, if you, cannot make your move because that no man's land that we talked about now your corner player doesn't know if they're supposed to cut back door or lift because you're in that gray area Mm -hmm. so starting to play a little bit more like one-on-one or even two-on-two games and tell them because it's hard to replicate that and you talk about protection plans and doug and people and i haven't really found a good one so if you know of a good one let me know of how to teach them because Mm -hmm all i am coming up with is two on two and, and, and giving the player the kind of the advantage and now they've lost their advantage mm-hmm. and now to keep your dribble alive and, mm-hmm. and get to your go-to get to home base, stuff like that, that all that good stuff. But yeah, keeping the dribble alive now is huge because that's where your, your dribble drive gets wonky and and tied up where if the kid picks it up there, those second cuts are available, but not on strong side. They're more available on, on the weak side or and it's not even that great for the player feeling behind you because there's not enough space between them and the yeah. So we're always trying to get below that volleyball line. So that's probably on a high school court, 84 foot court. It's probably about eight feet and in.
0: I found that most of the players, as soon as they feel contact or they're bumped off their line, that's when they tend to pick the ball up. Correct. And that's where you get in trouble because especially if they get bumped step below the free throw line that's that gray area that no man's land that when they pick it up nobody else knows what that signals next and mm-hmm. that's where it kind of just kills your pace any kind of pace that you had or any kind of advantage that you might have had mm-hmm. but if you can teach them skill wise and that's where if you're playing against air you're gonna have a hard time playing this because they're not used to that in the minute that they get bumped They're going to pick up their dribble and your offense is going to stink, but that just playing as much kind of the pound dribble side by side, if they can't dribble against pressure, they're probably going to pick the ball up and that's probably going to stall or kill your offense. So we've spent a lot of time doing that. And then in regards to what you just mentioned, we'll a lot of times stop and say like, okay, where, where was your target? Where were you aimed for? Where are you on the floor right now? Like look down most of them, especially the younger ones, they, they don't even know where they're at. Yeah. And so just them, like, where are you? Okay, where did you need to get? Okay, well, then you better go into your Barkley and back down a couple more steps to do that. So it's just a lot of, they, they just don't know. But they, And especially at our level, they went from being the best, the fastest, whatever, and they could get by whoever they wanted to and finish in the paint to now everybody's the same size. And so I get pressure, I get bumped off my line, I pick it up. And um, so it's a problem even at the college level. So I,
1: last three years I've gone to way more one-on-one to help with that because they're decent with their ball handling nowadays, yeah. but they don't want to be bumped like you said, so they don't know how to clip the hip. They don't know how to put them in jail. They don't know how to veer. And or they want to take a wonderful step back and shoot the 15-footer in the, in the bronze medal range I
0: know certain levels there are oftentimes when you know two of your better players are your post players or forwards. What do you do within the dribble drive when you're playing with two post players? Sometime,
1: I mean, simple, we'll just
0: we'll just put whatever
1: position number they're up. We'll just put a five and just say, hey, get the ball, get the ball to them. They can come ball side. They don't have to stay, but within the confines of the normal offense, just the, the good old dribble, dribble to the elbow, run like a kick up or a Luke, throw it, throw the ball back to the corner and bring them strong sides to form the triangle right there and just play out of it or go slot to slot to wing and, and throw it right in there. I mean, and I get that one a lot. So I have a, I have a big, I'm like, well, you're four out, one in. But emphasize throwbacks and, and seals. So talk about that a little bit. So say we did a pitch, and a lot of times that centers right on the, on the midline playing defense. We ran a pitch. So a middle penetration, we go behind it, we drive and we bounce, we dribble back and throw it right back to the player. We'll seal that middle line if they're a, if they're a mid help team. That's kind of we'll call it like a pitch throwback. Um, and it's just like a little cue, and we're looking to just seal them, seal them right on the on the midline um, because that is a common way to defend the dribble drive. Is that center just sits in the middle and and is is trying to clog everything. So you got to have a little bit of a an, of an action there. Um, my best my best teams that I've ever had, I've had a little bit of post play. So mm-hmm. don't don't neglect it. So you got to get the ball you got to get the ball to those those players besides just dump offs. Yeah, if, you can, yeah. if they're if they're capable.
0: Yeah. Um, last major thing I'll ask you, but is there anything non traditional or just something that you've you've seen new that you like? and maybe direct people to go watch a team or a particular coach or a league.
1: I love what Doug Novak does and forget where he just got an assistant job, Northern Kentucky, Northern Kentucky on the, on the
0: men's side, on the women's
1: side, on the women's side. Okay. Cause I know their men's team runs, runs triple drive. So, mm. um, Doug's been a big influence on me over the last three years, blending some of the things he does with putting players at the nail, making decisions, his, I believe he refers to it as the button hook concept. Um, his fan cut, Doug's big. Um, I love how Mike Neighbors of Arkansas Women um, blend Princeton actions with, with dribble drive. I'm big, I'm big on on blending. Dubbed it over the years as Princeton drive motion, where you run like a Princeton action. My favorites are like a chin and getting a new adrift, and then you're got that, or you're a point guard heavy team and you want to keep the ball in your point guard's hands since I don't fully teach Princeton, I'm running the point series, but instead of when you get to your split actions, instead of making it a read, that player is an automatic backdoor and the point guard pops to the ball screen situation. So Mm. I like the point series and the chin series, especially to blend into dribble drive. It's where I have discussed with a lot of people and I believe why you teach dribble drive first, because like I mentioned, it's only a penetration in my eyes it's a penetration offense Mm -hmm. and so it's a re-penetration way to teach them the penetration rules and you can flow anything into it Mm -hmm. because once the ball is put on the ground now your players know where they where they get i don't care if you're running flex or whatever now you know to do that so those are some of the actions um something i'm messing around with with the protection plans that are out there and and a thing with doug novak is if we can't and I'm messing with it, haven't fully done it yet. I want to see what it would look like. And I don't know if we'll mess up the flow or if it'll be something good. But if we cannot slot drive to the basket or wing drive that it's, if we can't pierce that elbow area, we're going to bounce it and get into a, get into an action like chin and and get rid of the kick up drop. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's feasible with a 30 second shot clock that I have in, but it's just something that I'm I'm thinking about because I'm finding I don't have enough lefties. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when you do do that traditional one, two area, kick up on that side of the floor, they're not getting in the middle. They're not getting that downhill attack and it just gets that dreaded weave. So we might, I I mess with that where I've I've done some posts on it. We call it a one, two, four, where we do the the lift. But if you don't have your shot, you're to throw it right to the four and do a jet a jet cut which would look like an Iverson type cut without without the screens so almost like a ghost right across the middle and now we have that that Mm re-attack so I limit players to be honest Um, going back to some of the things you said is if they're not great at putting the ball on the floor we might say you're a drop only player and if they're only a shooter and spacer it'll be like okay you catch it you shoot it or you pass it and re-space or create a gap and the high school level where we're not technically allowed to recruit. That's another topic, but, <laughs> um, you gotta have what you have and still get the ball to your better playmakers. Like the two penetrators that I mentioned and the two shooters, and you could still run this. Mm-hmm. It's it, it may not look your version of dribble drive. And that's the beauty of this. We can watch game film tonight of 15 different teams that run the concepts of dribble drive. And they're all going to be different. And people go well, the last not dribble drive. I'm like, well, I think it is because they're running. They're doing the. They're doing the reads off the penetration. That's what someone said about the the Nash keep play where on something. They're not running. That's just player dribbling around in circles. Well, they were in the spacing. The players moved. The defense never collapsed. So that's why the player kept the ball. So, yeah, it still gets a negative connotation out there in the world. Um, the offense
0: yeah we're all kind of running the same general principles things
1: everybody runs some aspect of it I don't care yeah
0: (laughs) and I think that that's just how it'll continue to go because we'll we'll all be more playing out of concepts and it'll look less like football coaching running calling in plays and more of just allowing them to play and I think that another aspect of it that we kind of touched on with like the two posts and some others and you said with the point guard but like it, it still is, pers- it should be personnel based and that will probably change from year to year. And I mean, like-
1: getting back to some of the things I've changed it, as it used to be just purely a four out one in offense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you're seeing people figure out how to do it with two posts in the short corner, five out modern, modern and traditional where the modern uh, I think coach Cassio started doing this first, where he took the dunker spot and moved them to the, to the wing and mm-hmm. you still had your two slots two corners so it made it more of a two-sided break type of type of feel so i mean that's i start i did a little presentation over about six of them or whatever off of five out options on how you can run it with five out and teaching it and teaching it i mean my first evolution of trying to do it with five out was talk about really screwing up your team was hey we're when we're four out one in we're running DDM. when we're five out we're going to run circle movement and read and react on. (laughs) <laughs> type things and you had your corner player coming up and you had your wing player doing the read and react circle movement oh and talk about a coach really screwing up your players so we ended up just layering five out with pass and cut reads and later cuts and stuff like that but did the dribble drive re- what they would refer to as reverse circle movement mm-hmm. so we still did the because my players knew that already i mean mm-hmm. i'm sure if i taught it in reverse They would have been doing circle movement instead of. So you can do whatever you want with this.
0: And I'm sure coaches will have questions, at least ideas, want ideas as far as the things that they could do or match their personnel. So before I let you go here, where where do you want people to go to either connect with you or find out more? I do. I do have a free Facebook group
1: along with Kurt Gelsdorf that is pretty popular. There's close to 5000 coaches in there, and Mm -hmm. it's just pretty much dribble drive concepts dribble drive and kick based stuff. We talk Doug Novak stuff. We talk Marcasio stuff. We talk traditional dribble drive five out. Um, you can, you can search at dribble drive motion hoop talk, or you can find those best place to reach me is probably on X or Twitter, whatever you want to refer to that at is at coach Mark Hart, M-A-R-C-H-A-R-T. I have in my bio, I have a link to YouTube videos, courses, stuff, and DM me. Um, you can reach out to me. And hopefully I'll be
0: able to help assist you in your journey. Awesome stuff. That's Coach Mark Hart of System Basketball. Coach, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Tony. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You're killing it.
0: Thanks, Coach.